Hello, and welcome to the inaugural edition of Coffee Mug Philosophy. It's a podcast about life lessons that you enjoy while you're in the in the trip itself. I'm not quite sure what that means. I wrote down a definition. Uh, I wrote down the definition. It's an erythral examination of witty observations of coffee mug philosophy. It's about life lessons while enjoying the joy of the journey. Drag me up, Rich. Drag me up. All right. I'm not sure what that means, but I think that means that we're just going to talk for about a half hour every day about, I try to define my definition, uh, how to examine life lessons that you might find on a coffee mug. Uh, take a look at this. See, look over my shoulder. You got a lot of coffee mugs there. My wife does. I don't drink any coffee. so. <laughs> but I think that's uh, coffee mug philosophy. I like it. Well, I just figured, you know, we're a couple guys of a certain age, right? We don't have a lot to do. We're, we're happy. We enjoy our significant others. We occasionally imbibe in a nice cold beverage. But, Absolutely. you know, what else do we got to do? Well, and I think that helps one... Uh, um, wax, uh, philosophical. And, uh, I think that, Oh, you know what? I'm actually pleased with that wax philosophical, but yeah, I think, uh, imbibement helps, uh, enjoyment, being happy in life, being contented. So this is for fun. Good. Nothing besides fun. It's for the idea that my kids at one point in my life, which is now are completely sick of my stories. Cause I tell them over and over and over again. And sometimes I do, tell the same story multiple times. And I figured if I put it on the podcast, then I know it's out there. I know they can go back and listen to it anytime. And then I'll never have to tell that story again. So this is really a gift for them. So they never have to listen to me again. Yeah. This is like you're walking up the mount with some empty uh, tablets and you're getting ready to chisel something into them. Here's a question for you. So how would you describe us? You and me. Great friends who accidentally met, I, I think, uh, <laughs> in a neighborhood from completely different backgrounds, um, creating what would probably be an unlikely friendship. I, I don't know that without the swimming pool, I would have met you because you were not Catholic, not at Christ the King, um, and not at Ron Colley. I mean, my life as one of seven kids was pretty much family, church, and, of course, the swimming pool. And I think without the swimming pool and Sunset Hills, uh, I don't think we meet. Speaking of the swimming pool, how long did you actually wear that Speedo? I wore a Speedo from probably when I was in swim team at six or seven years old uh, until I stopped lifeguarding without uh, the modesty to realize that that was the absolutely wrong thing to be wearing as a probably a senior, junior, senior in high school, all the way through my college years. Uh, but I didn't know any better. Okay, I'm glad you realize that now, at least. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, I, well, I had absolutely no idea then. Uh, but yeah, speedo swimsuits were absolutely inappropriate for lifeguards. But I didn't know that you could wear like a tank suit. I always just thought that was someone wearing cutoff jean shorts. And I thought those were the hillbillies. I didn't realize I was the complete idiot, but yeah, that's me. That's okay. We all did, but yeah, some everybody of us did even, even, even the, uh, now we have to be careful about who we refer to, right? Since they're not on the podcast, but I would say even the third member of our tri tri uh, trifecta, uh, wore a, uh, a speedo. 
uh, along with my brothers. I mean, there's just too many people to recount. Yeah, we're going to do a podcast about him and how we were actually too mean to him. So we should also apologize to him. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be a great one. Actually, that that's going to be cleansing. I look forward to that. <laughs> but the reason for this podcast was I was thinking about doing a podcast. I didn't know what to talk about. And then I was on vacation with my family. It was my first family vacation. It's the extended family, new wife, stepkids, their significant others, my kids, granddaughter, significant others. We all went to Minnesota. It's where I always used to go when I was a kid. So I made them relive all these childhood memories. So I drove around a lot and said, I remember we used to do this. I remember we went over here. I remember we did this. And they got bored of it pretty quick. But while we uh, rented a Verbo, because it was a house, because it was way cheaper, because there's a bunch of us. But in the house, they had coffee mugs. And they had coffee mug sayings, coffee mug philosophy on these coffee mugs. Like, enjoy the lake, or a day in the lake is better than whatever. And one of them was enjoy the joy of the journey. I thought that's what the podcast should be about. When, when was your last vacation or family vacation? And you can define family however you want. When was your last family vacation? The last vacation that you took that afterwards you thought, let's do that again in, you know, maybe four or five years. Okay. So that's funny. Uh, first week in June 2022, this year. So just over a month ago, uh, Ceci and I went with Mary and Dave and some of their kids, so I would say family, and we go to Canada. Prior to the trip, um, Ceci and I had talked about, and, and you got to realize, as far as your drive is to Minnesota, the drive to, to Canada for us is Omaha to Grand Forks in one day, Grand Forks to the fish camp the next day, fish for six days, and then one straight day from the camp all the way back to Omaha. Brutal. Um, so before the trip, and it's funny because you, you wanted to know something about this trip. Before the trip, Ceci and I are talking, and we say, I don't think we can do this again. We'll do this last time. <laughs> but then we got there, and we had really we had a great time. Um, I don't know if we'll do it again, but our uh, – our prognostication that somehow or another it wasn't going to be any fun and we were only going to do it one more time. Yes, the drive was pretty tough, um, but we really had a lot of fun. Uh, and so it ended up being uh, fishing in Canada about a month and a half ago. One of the things that helped us, and this is if you take a family vacation, I recommend this. This is a life lesson. Always take enough cars because once you're there, somebody's going to want to escape at some point. And then if there's a car, they can. And then somebody else will want to escape. And if there's a car, they can. So everybody can do kind of what they want to do while you're still there as part of a family. So we actually took three cars. And my significant other was at first like, why would we taking three cars? She's like, well, first of all, we need three cars as a lot of us. And secondly, people need to escape. And she thought, well, why? But... I think there wasn't a day that went by where somebody didn't take one of the cars or two people didn't take the cars. Like I'm going into town and then they're gone for like three hours. Oh, I, I think that anybody who doesn't think that way hasn't been on a true family <laughs> vacation with a large number of people growing up in a big family. I can tell you we went everywhere in one car and the older I get, the more I realize it's the oldest people on the vacation who need the car to escape. So I think your wife will come around to realize if she hasn't already that uh, having a vehicle 
uh, at your disposal is important. We've done a couple of trips to San Diego with family for Thanksgiving, and that's typically just a five-day deal, one day over, one day back, three days playing around, and we take our own car. The uh, the one thing, the good thing about people taking the cars is then that's more enjoyable time for you. It's like, oh, okay, I have a little downtime. I don't have to hear the kids fight about whatever they're fighting about. So it's like, yeah, oh, take, I, take the car. Enjoy. Abs- that was going to say, it's not always them asking. Sometimes you tell them. Offer some, them the car. Go ahead. Here's some uh, coffee mugs that I found that had sayings on them. The best plans or no plans. Have hope. Be strong. Laugh loud. Play hard. Uh, dream big and be happy. Live in the moment and smile often. Do what makes you happy. You don't have to be perfect to be amazing. What uh, you weren't in love with the the name coffee mug philosophy. You liked it better than my other couple ones. I mean, it, look, what, I what, what do you? What, what should it be? No, I think coffee mug philosophy is good. Actually, I'm growing uh, to like it, and it's growing. I mean, from the standpoint that I'm not a coffee drinker. Most people who do drink coffee, um, I think, have the uh, joy of waking up in the morning and being inspired by a great tasting cup of coffee. My wife loves grinding different coffees. I don't mind the smell of it. I've just I've tried coffee once. It's not my thing. But the point is, it's a it's a sacred morning ritual. And for some people, I think certain types of coffee, whether it's americano or or uh, you know. Uh, cappuccino or uh, lattes they're all sweeted up and, and milked up um coffee can be a philosophy so it isn't for me but i think it is for life and and uh i liked the one mug that you said the best plans or no plans i don't know if i'm capable of doing something no plan meaning literally just getting up and having nothing to do or making no plans i'm not great at that um, which I guess might be foreboding for retirement. I'm still a ways off, but uh, I think that mug, that saying on the coffee mug, inspired me to think about what I would do if someone truly put in front of me a mandate. You have to have no plan tomorrow. The best plan tomorrow is no plan, and live that. And uh, it would be interesting to see how that worked out. You know, I do have to admit that... The best plans or no plans. I, I stole that from the Corona commercial with Snoop Dogg. Nice. He's a, he's a Snoop Dogg. He's a lexicon of, of, uh, no plans. He's, he's the lexicon of, of a certain generation of people. He's on the beach with the one guy. What's the guy's name? Um, Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg. Yeah. And then again, as you get to a certain age, that's how you tell stories. What's that one yeah. thing from that one guy from where you just got to describe it? I just describe things and let everybody else fill in the blanks. Oh, hey, you know what? Speaking of that, when you said Minnesota and vacation, you and I went to your cabin. And I still have, Ceci created a little uh, couple, like a little picture frame. And there's a picture of, of me, I think, in my stupid cowboy boots and that hat when we were fishing. <laughs> we've, we've been on. I was trying to think of that before this started. We've been on three vacations together. We went um, to the to my mom's cabin. We yep. we went to Denver right out of college to look for jobs, 
And yeah, we, I'm not sure I'd call that a vacation, but I do recall that. And then the other one was the other direction. We went to uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, Also absolutely. to look for jobs. Yeah, we're very fruitless trips. Um, I don't think I, we applied for a job on any of them. We did go skiing. We did. Stayed in the janky hotel. Remember that? Remember the hotel room we stayed at? Not at the Hyatt where you got us into. The janky one out by was the steamboat. Yeah, with the... Uh, we had the crime tape, the crime tape on it. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Oh, and the cinder block underneath the corner, one of the two twin beds, which I recall, regardless of the temperature in that room, both of us slept on top of the comforter, just right on top of the bed. It was like, I, yeah, not getting in that bed. See, I thought we went to the Nuggets game and then drove home all night. I don't. Did we go to a Nuggets game? Yeah, we went to a Nuggets game. Boy, I don't remember that. I remember skiing, and I remember jeans being soaked because I mean, neither one of us had any ski. Appropriate ski gear. I w- that was um, that was actually the second most cold I've ever been in my whole life. Oh, it was awful. And we went Man, up that. Just... I just remember going up the first ski lift and getting off, and it was the wind was right in our face, and we had like jeans oh, yeah. and like like work gloves or something on. I get off. There's tears in my eyes, and I go to you. I want to go home, and you're like, Yeah, okay. No. And then once we skied down, we got warm, and it was got better after that. But it was so cold. Yeah, but my jeans was so my jeans were so wet. I remember thinking, you know, everything was so cold. How could I be melting snow? Um, but I remember my jeans just being absolutely wet. It was awful, but it was fun. I'm gonna, see, I, don't, I, I don't recall those. Vac- I don't call those vacations. <laughs> um, I'm going to write down though <laughs> on my list, Tom vacation stories, so I never have to tell those again. Yeah. Oh man. I was thinking about you uh, and creating sort of the, uh, for your kids, the Rosetta Stone of your <laughs> stories so that they can just retrieve everything here with uh, your podcasts. And uh, all I could think about was, you know, Ceci constantly puts up with our family. Whenever we go somewhere, it's just the end. It's loud. And it's the same stories. Um, <clears throat> sometimes, pardon me, sometimes they are uh, a little bit different. Um well, because memories are, are pretty bad in the Andrews family and everybody embellishes, but, uh, or is that just lying? I guess that's lying. Um, to make them better. But yeah, we, we, the same stories all the time. You've heard all of our stories. You've been to enough Andrews family stuff, uh, to know that some of the stories are just going to be that same story. You're almost thinking to yourself, man, if, if Mrs. Andrews is here, I'd go sit in the kitchen and listen to her. If the one thing I did learn, from our vacations when we went to Minnesota, I remember I had three key elements that we learned. The first one was a straw hat. If it falls into the lake, doesn't sink. I think the second one was if you throw a whole bag of marshmallows on a fire, you know, I was expecting this big kind of cool blaze eruption. Yeah. But all they did is just kind of melt. And I forget the third one. So you can make a third one up right now if you want. I don't. You know that you put me on the spot. What would the third? <laughs> what would be the third leg of that stool? Um, if you don't have enough cars for a big family vacation, at least have a boat so you can leave your family at the at the cabin. Here's. I just thought of this one too, which we tried. It was too windy to go boating and fishing, so we tried to go sailing instead. Did you and I do that? Yes, but we didn't get off. We we tipped over like two feet away from the dock. And then you and I, I do remember we did tip over. I have a good friend that uh, sails big boats, like 30-plus foot boats out in San Diego. We've sailed out in the bay uh, in San Diego. 
out in the open ocean. It's cool. I can't sail. I ride. I was I was a passenger. Uh, speaking of philosophies, if you had to pick one life lesson to begin this whole podcast with, one life lesson which could actually fit on a coffee mug that you think everybody should know or try to live their life by, what would that be guiding you or anybody else going forward? It, it's neat that you asked that because um, my wife got me involved in uh, a charitable organization that has uh, improved my life. And I think now if I were going to give somebody um, one line uh, to live your life by, it's one I am trying to incorporate into my daily life. Uh, it's actually uh, a very simple but famous line from, and I don't think I'll get it exactly correct, but you know me, that never stops me from talking. Um, Mother Teresa said, if you can't help 100 people, then help just one. Uh, and I feel like these times uh, inspire me uh, to want to reach out and actually just do something decent every day for people, whether that helps them or not, but just be a decent person. So, yeah, I'm going to say if you can't help 100 people, help just one. I think that's a great one. And as you're talking, it, what popped into my head is my significant other. One thing that's really amazing about her is I think she does that, and so she kind of makes me do that. So my my thought on the coffee mug philosophy would be choose wisely. Choose everything wisely. Choose your significant other wisely. Do things for the right reason. Um, do things that you know you should do, but you don't do. Choose wisely. You, you've... you've uh... You've driven this bus the entire uh, podcast, and I was going to actually um, throw one thing at you, and I think Choose Wisely is kind of uh, intriguing because I do think you're right. Uh, it's not just your spouse or your friends um, or your home uh, or your city or your job. There's all kinds of things you can choose. But uh, I was going to ask you, as you sit here um, at 58, because I know your age. What? No. Luckily, it's the same as mine. My wife thinks I'm 48. Shh. Don't say my real as age. As you sit here at 48, follically challenged. <clears throat> I've been follically challenged since 28. Yeah, you have. Um, <laughs> and I've been, I've been, I've been basically fat challenged for too long. So I need to change that. You can't do anything about your hair. I can do something about my weight. But I was going to ask you, what key decision as a young man are you glad you made? What simple thing, maybe not key decision, what simple choice when you were a young man in your 20s or 30s that you made, are you glad you made? Boy, I didn't make a lot of good decisions back then. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe the day I started shaving my head was a good decision. That was back in my 20s. I, no, that's probably 30s. Um, key decision? You know what I think of? Okay, yeah. It's, you know, here's, it's funny. Well, this is this is really interesting. I remember... When I was working uh, as an engineer and you were working in what I believe was the snack business, you talked about needing to do something different. You didn't know what it was, but you needed to do something different. And I don't remember exactly the circumstances, whether your job there was transitioning to another place and you left or whatever, but you weren't going to stay in advertising or food or whatever it was. And I remember putting those two things together and thinking to myself, 
you'll probably be intentional and find that right thing. And it seems to me that teaching uh, has been that right thing. I wondered if that resonated with you because it always kind of lingered in my mind that you made the right decision. I think I had to go through a series of checking off things that I thought I wanted to do until I found something I actually did want to do. I do think now that you, when you were talking, um, one of the things I noticed, I'm going to give you a little credit for this is the idea of, again, when we were 14, 15, 20, just the idea of attitude and work and doing a good job just because you should do a good job. No other reason. And I just remembered, which which was to me remarkable when we were, you know, 15, 16 years old and uh, you would attack jobs and I'd always complain and not want to do them, do a half-assed job. But I always thought that was, that's kind of guided me when I start slacking, I think. It's just like, you know what? Why not do the best job you can do? What What harm does it do? Why not be the smartest person in the room? Why not be the most prepared person? Why not do the best job you can? Even if it's not as good as somebody else's, just try to do your best. So maybe that, that's, maybe I started trying to that's do that flattering. a bit more. That's flattering you would see that in me. You know what's funny is I can remember going to your father, uh, to your farm with your father. <laughs> and I don't remember what he had us doing. Um, but I remember he gave me something to do. And I'd always gone in with my mom and dad, my family down to her family down in Missouri. So we were always on the farm. And we were always doing just menial things. Your dad had us doing something menial. Uh, it was important to him, but it wasn't much to us. <laughs> and I remember doing something and turning around and you were gone. And I don't remember what we were doing, but you were like nowhere to be seen. And I was still doing something. <laughs> I remember walking out and I found you outside the barn. Oh, your dad was putting a bunch of hay bales on a flatbed. And we hauled it behind that crappy blue four-door car that your dad had. And I remember we were doing something, but you walked outside and all I could think was, man, isn't he worried his dad's going to like be really angry and kick his, kick his butt. And you were so, it was like, no, I'm pretty cool out here. I'm fine. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, I wish I could do that. Cause I was told to do something. I'm going to do it. I couldn't have rebelled. Uh, I'm not sure that's a real story. Oh yeah. That's a real story. <laughs> remember sitting on top of those stupid hay bales going down that road in that wagon or that trailer was swaying behind your father's car. I do. And I thought he was like just playing a trick. And then you looked out and the car is just going straight and the, the wagon is swaying all over the road. Oh, yeah. I remember that. We should have been probably scared today. Could you imagine doing that? You couldn't. You wouldn't do that with your kids, much less your grandkids. No. No. That was. Nope. I remember that. The old. Uh, the good old farm. And then I couldn't believe that you're. Uh, that you're living, I mean, I, it really was almost unbelievable to think that where you live right now was the old uh, hayloft. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the old hay barn. That, that. So good memories. Yeah. Uh, well, but funny, I, I, I would not have associated me with attacking jobs, but I, I think back now and uh, it's hard to hear people say what you think are kind things or flattering things about you, but that was one thing I was never afraid of and I'm not afraid of now is hard work. Uh, and I don't think you are either, but we came to this point in our lives where we will do the work we need to uh, from different paths and different origins. So I, I think we all get to working uh, a work ethic uh, at different points in our lives um, from different origins. Same result, though. You're a hard worker, and you know that, uh, and I know it. I have checked off quite a few stories now I'll never have to tell again. 
That's, yeah, I that's, wish I could think of one. That's the goal. Like, I'm, I'm going to say yeah. that. I have to admit that. I thought you'd be way more obnoxious in this first episode. Oh, I, Maybe next see, I'm, I'm me- Yep, I'm measuring. Uh, this is all very measured. This is uh, intentional. <laughs> I, I think if I had started out on my best possible uh, obnoxious, over-the-top behavior, I'd have nowhere to go but down. So I'm allowing myself room to build. Uh, and I, I take a little bit of offense to obnoxious. I think I can be obnoxious. Text messages and emails should not be considered how I might vocalize certain things. I speak differently than I write. No, that's not true. I text and write. Do you consider yourself more obnoxious or more annoying? I consider my texts. Um, no, just in general, not your texts, just in life. In life? Yeah. I'm, you, you I'm might annoying. Ask- I don't. You might want to ask your significant other this one because it could, oh, try, well, could surprise you. I'm going to do that. <laughs> you just can't turn off your mic. Sorry, he says I can't turn off my mic. You consider me more obnoxious or annoying? She says I'm annoying too. Oh, there you go. So I'm going to go with annoying. I don't think I'm obnoxious. Um, I'm not even really good at being obnoxious to somebody like in a restaurant setting or something where I might get poor service, I could never do that in public. I just, you know, I can joke. I would never joke about that. But, I mean, you know how obnoxious people are really obnoxious. In fact, if you're not an obnoxious person and you're in public and someone's obnoxious, it's like watching a train running at another train on the same tracks and you can't stand it, so you leave the money, pay the tip, get the hell out because you don't want to see how it's going to end. I don't like those types of situations. So I consider myself annoying uh, but I think obnoxious is uh, harder to somehow or another spin around to be a term of endearment. Do you hear my obnoxious dog? I do hear your annoying dog. <laughs> I should mute now, my mic. This is where I should mute my mic. But No, see, I muted mine in case Sessie didn't want to be on here because I didn't know if I'm going to have to pay her royalties when this thing blows up. And we have, you know, tens of tens of followers. No. You're overestimating our followers. Ten. Yeah, tens, tens of tens. That would be a hundred. <laughs> just how many? Just tens. Tens is too much. Um, tens is probably too much. So if you had to name ten people, think about this. <laughs> Could you name ten people who would want to follow this? No, I can't. No, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, we better we better hope for we better hope for catching friggin'. Wind, wind in a in a uh, a bottle because uh, I'm pretty sure this might be done just for your kids for posterity sake. I'm not sure, uh, and for they'll never listen to it. So who cares? Yeah, then this better be for enjoyment. That's all there is to it. Okay, so I that's it for this first episode. Join us next time. We'll delve more into vacation. Thanks, Rich. This was great. Have a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's too late for that, but good idea. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I will. I always do. 